On today's show, we'll discuss the Yankees beating the Orioles two out of three. We'll preview the series against Tampa that begins tonight in Tropicana Field. We'll look at the pitching matchups and we'll discuss the Yankees' sort of strange schedule so far, who they've played, who they haven't played yet, who they've only played a small number of times, and more next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Yankee fans. It's Stacey Gotsoulias. I'm the host of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Odyssey, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. You can watch us on, on watch us on subscribe. Hmm. It's not even Monday. It's Thursday. What is happening today? You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing to us on YouTube, by the way. We're almost up at 1,200. That's pretty cool. And yes, I do owe you a giveaway for 1,000. Still working on what to get you guys because... I'm still not sure. So watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you have a smart device, please tell it to play podcast Locked on Yankees. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. So the Yankees beat the Orioles last night thanks to good pitching performances. And that's not hyperbole because they didn't allow a run. That's always good. No runs in nine innings is a good performance. And considering how beaten up the bullpen is and all the new injuries that the Yankees have now, it was pretty good. So J.P. Sears makes his first Major League start last night and did pretty well. Five innings. I mean, you know, he didn't come out and pitch seven, but good for him. So it was his, it was his second win. He earned one out of the pen already but this was his first win as a starter so jp sears in a spot start helps out the yankees five innings three hits no runs as i already mentioned two walks five strikeouts that's pretty exciting it's probably also pretty nerve-wracking to have to start for the yankees who are suddenly becoming decimated by injuries (laughs) things were going a little too well for the Yankees. And I joked about this with Abby. Was it last week or the week before where I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop? Are we at that point yet? Mm, Not quite. We might be after this weekend in Tampa because they're playing four games. We'll get to that in a bit. I forgot it was in Tampa. I should have realized that because of the homestand. But I thought maybe they were playing four at home then had the off day and then playing the Angels, but I screwed that up. So I didn't even realize they were going to Tampa until someone said it last night. And I thought, oh, no, I don't know about you all. I don't like Tampa. I don't like the stadium. I've complained about it many, many times, and I'll be complaining about it tomorrow, I'm sure. So after Sears, Marinaccio came in, pitched two innings, got three strikeouts. He looked good. Some of his pitches They were spotlighting it. I can't remember which account it was because so many people on Twitter 
will take footage from baseball games and put them in tweets. And I don't know how they get away with it because I thought MLB was cracking down on that stuff. But that's for another podcast. So whoever keeps doing that, thank you, because it's nice to have those pitches focused on in one tweet. And yeah, Marinaccio looked much better than he did in the last time that he was on the Yankee Stadium mound. Was it against the Orioles? It was that I think it was that strange game where the Yankees were winning like 10-2 and then the Orioles were scoring late and they made it close. So, yeah, it was good to see. So he got the hold. Lucas Lecky and Miguel Castro combined to pitch an inning. Lecky had a walk and a strikeout. Castro had a strikeout. And then Clay Holmes... Can we talk about Clay Holmes? Let's talk about Clay Holmes. I said it in my post-game video last night. He should be the closer. Not just now. While Chapman is out, he should be the closer when Chapman comes back. I don't think this is a controversial opinion. I'm sure other people agree with me. I know Chapman's been the closer since he got here. But how much more pleasant... Is it for you to watch Clay Holmes closing a game than watching Aroldis Chapman attempting to close a game or making things really scary when he closes a game? Things got a little iffy last night. It wasn't totally Clay Holmes' fault. He should be the closer. Tell Chapman, thank you. You were okay for us for a while, but no. <laughs> no. But you know that's not going to happen. You know he's going to come back. Boone's going to put him in as the closer because Boone has to do everything by the book. Even though Boone, you know, talks about Clay Holmes and how great he pitches because he's unbelievable. His ERA is 0 0.38. He has a 23-inning scoreless streak. Yeah, he's amazing. He came out of nowhere and is amazing. And I think he should be rewarded for being amazing and not just be the closer while Chapman is recovering from his Achilles injury. Let me know down below if you're watching this on YouTube or tweet at us at Locked On Yankees, all one word. Let me know what you think about Clay Holmes' closer. I'm assuming most people will agree with me because it's not pleasant watching a role as Chapman pitch anymore. Now, it is possible that the Achilles injury is affecting his velocity or was affecting his velocity. Uh, you do use your feet to pitch. You don't just stand there and toss a ball. You use your body to throw the ball. So it's possible that if he comes back from the injury, his velocity could go up a tick, but it's not going to be the oldest Chapman of four or five years ago. But even so, even before that, we were seeing a drop-off. We saw it last year. He was dominant for the first month and a half, and then he hit a wall. So yeah, Clay Holmes for closer. Let me know what you think. I think you'll all agree with me. Do you agree with me? Do you? Sweet Pea agrees with me, but she loves me. All my cats love me. Anyway, <laughs> I have a new co-host today. Do you want to speak to everyone? I think that was a yes. <laughs> Would you like to do the live read? In a moment, we'll talk about 
the offensive part of last night's game because some things happened last night. Nothing major. The Yankees only scored two runs, but we'll get to that in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while waiting for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer, but choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Thanks for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, where you get recaps of Major League Baseball games with analysis from our local experts who are taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So, last night, not a lot doing offensively for either team. The Yankees had six hits. Two of them. Miguel Andujar, he had an RBI as well. He's looking better. He's also looking better in the field, which is a good thing because the Yankees are dropping like flies and it looks like he may have to be up here (laughs) for a bit. Um, Would it be great to have Andujar and Glaber partying like it's 2018 again? Yes, Because both of those players played a big part in the Yankees' 2018 season and them doing well. So it would be nice to see Miguel Andujar contributing to the team like he contributed last night. I think that'd be cool. I think you all agree with me. That'd be really great. Torres was one for three. Judge was one for four. Marwin Gonzalez, one for four. Kyle Higashioka, hey! Got a hit last night. Bumped his average up to 162. I'm just kidding. And uh, anyone else? No, I think everyone else was hitless. Yes. Now, the one good thing... I don't know if this is good. Gallo was DHing last night. He came back. And he was 0 for 3, but no strikeouts. That feels like a win for me. When Joey Gallo is 0 for 3, but no strikeouts. That's always a good sign. At least he's making contact, you know. I would rather see that than see a guy flailing away. And speaking of strikeouts, you know, considering the Yankees only had six hits and it wasn't a high-scoring game, they had five strikeouts as a team, which isn't terrible. You know, there are some games where you see guys having three, four each and have, you know, you sometimes have two guys with more than five strikeouts combined, you know what I mean? So that's that's not too bad. The Orioles struck out 11 times. The Yankees pitching, again, strong last night. So they won two out of three against Baltimore. And so they're 31-13 and 13 on the season, which is fun. It's a palindrome. 
I like palindromes. I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of a numbers geek in that way. And if I see certain numbers doing that, like I used to always screenshot my Twitter follower numbers if there were ever like double numbers or big milestone numbers or palindromes. I know. I can't help it. <laughs> Please tell me I'm not the only one who does that. Let me know. So let's see. Yankees against the Rays. All four matchups are set. Nice. Thank you. Both Kevin Cash and Aaron Boone appreciate it. So tonight, it's Nestor Cortez Day. And it's a 6.40 start. Didn't realize it was that early. Okay, great. So it's Nestor Cortez against Ryan Yarbrough. Tampa's lineup is out. Yankees isn't. So the Yankees against Yarbrough. Anyone doing exceptionally well against him? Mm. Judge in 12 at-bats is batting 333. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, 286 at 7 at-bats. Miguel Andujar. Okay, here's something. In 13 at-bats against Ryan Yarbrough, he's only batting 154 in 13 at-bats, but he has a home run. <laughs> Gleyber Torres only batting 100 in 10 at-bats, so he has issues with him. And Aaron Hicks also 10 at-bats, only batting 200. Whew. As for Tampa against Nestor Cortez, Kevin Kiermeyer in 6 at-bats is batting 500 with 3 runs batted in. Yandy Diaz has a home run off, off Cortez with 3 runs batted in. He's the only one with a home run. The rest of them, mm, not great against Cortez, who is three and one on the season with a 1.08 ERA and 56 strikeouts. Yarbrough, no wins, no losses. His ERA is 420 with 12 strikeouts. On a Friday, 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 Friday. It's Tyone against Jeffrey Springs, who doesn't even have a picture on MLB.com. The picture that they have is of the Tropicana field. field. That's, that's what the picture is. That's pretty funny. Okay. <sighs> Although, he's 2-1 with a 1.32 ERA and 27 strikeouts. But let's see because... Let's see how many innings he's thrown. Yeah, okay. He seems to be an opener, although he was stretched out to five and two-third innings his last outing against Baltimore on the 21st. He got a win, a win, gave up one hit in those five and two-third innings, four walks, seven strikeouts. The previous start against Toronto was four and two-third innings, and the previous start to that was the ninth against the Angels. He only pitched... Four innings, got the loss. Interesting. Okay. So he's one of those guys who doesn't... I, maybe they're building him up. Maybe that's what it is. Tyone is 4-1 with a 2.95 ERA, 34 strikeouts. He's doing really well this year. Um, he was victimized by the offense the other day during the doubleheader. So was Luis Severino. As for matchups, has anyone faced Springs? Only a few. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a really small sample size. Kyle Higashioka has the most at-bats against Springs, and it's three, and he hasn't gotten a hit. Aaron Judge has only faced him once. He has a hit. The rest of them, it's like 
nothing major. And then for Tyone against the Rays, Margot has 10 at-bats against him. He's batting 200. The rest of the guys aren't that many. Brett Phillips, six at-bats, 167. So, yeah, it's almost like like one of those matchups where the guys don't really know the other pitcher and how they throw. Oh, interesting. Saturday is a 4-10 start, and it's Corey Kluber against Garrett Cole. Kluber is 1-2 and two with a 4.42 ERA and 37 strikeouts. Garrett Cole picked up his first loss this past start. So he's 4-1 and one on the season with a 3.31 ERA and 62 strikeouts. As for the Yankees against Kluber, Marwin Gonzalez, 22 at-bats against Kluber. He's batting 455 with two home runs and eight runs batted in. So don't be surprised if you see him in the lineup. <laughs> On the flip side, Aaron Hicks has 26 at-bats against Corey Kluber. He's batting 154. Yikes. As for the Rays against Cole, G-Man Choi murders him. Absolutely murders him. 14 at-bats, 571 average with three home runs and eight runs batted in. Yandi Diaz, 417 and 24 bats with a home run and five runs batted in. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Now, the one shocker, Randy Rosarina, in 11, in 11 at-bats against Cole, he's only batting 182. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. And then the finale on Sunday, and it's the finale of this long stretch for the Yankees because they have an off day on Memorial Day. Luis Severino will be starting for the Yankees against Shane McClanahan. McClanahan is 4-2 and two with a 2.06 ERA, 74 strikeouts on the season. He's having a very good year. Severino, 3-0 with a 3.02 ERA and 43 strikeouts. And as I just mentioned when I was talking about Tyone, he was also victimized by the non-existent, non-existent offense against the White Sox the other day in that doubleheader. So we'll see if things work out better for Sevy this weekend. We'll finish this segment in, or we'll finish this part of the discussion in a moment. But with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now let's look at the matchups for Severino McClanahan. Not many 
Judge has faced McClanahan seven times. He's only batting 143. And the only person with a run batted in against McClanahan is DJ LeMayhew, who's batting 333 against him, but only six at bats. And then Luis Severino hasn't really faced many of these guys because he's been injured so much. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer has faced Severino 25 times, and he's only batting 120. So that's I'm not going to joke and say I could bat 120 I couldn't even get the bat off my shoulder in time to swing and that game on Sunday is a 140 start just so you know so 140 on Sunday 410 on Saturday 710 Friday tonight is 640 Now, I said we're going to talk about the schedule because this is the first time the Yankees and the Rays are playing all year. And it's weird because the Yankees have played the Orioles 13 times. They've played the Blue Jays nine times. They've only played the Red Sox three times, the opening series. That's it. So this is going to be one of those years where the Yankees are backloaded against the Rays, and Red Sox. They do have a late series against Toronto in September because I was actually eyeing that series and thinking of going up to Toronto for that series. Who did the schedule? That was a very strange noise that I just made, and I apologize if you're listening to me. Um, I sounded like a like a, a wolf or a, or a coyote. No, really, who made the schedule? And... I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that the Yankees are off for Memorial Day, but Paul O'Neill wasn't happy about it. And they're also off on 4th of July, which is also kind of strange, because when I first got my tickets way back, 1999 was my first season with season tickets. I had the Sunday plan. It wasn't just Sundays. I had opening day, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Old Timers Day, And then every Sunday, home game. It was great. And my tickets were only $23 each. By the time, (laughs) right, by the time it was 2008, the last season at the old stadium, my seats in box 623, row C, seats five through eight, were $60 each. Understandable. You know, 1999 to 2008, but going from 23 to 60, that's a big deal. (laughs) But the whole not playing on Memorial Day, it's great for the Yankees. They get to have a barbecue and be with their family and do whatever they want to do. But it is kind of strange that they're off on both Memorial Day and the 4th of July. Considering, you know, 4th of July is a big deal for the Yankees all the time because of Steinbrenner and... uh, John Sterling's birthday is July 4th. Although the Yankees historically have had some bummer games on July 4th. Just not good. So maybe it's good that they're off. But it's just a really strange schedule so far for them. Especially playing the Orioles so much in the first two months. I mean, 13? They only have six games left against them? (laughs) And only seeing the Red Sox... One time? Like, that's just really... Who made this schedule? I need to know. And it's not like the schedule was um, 
rearranged because of the week that that was that was missing. They just cut that week off. They're going to have to make up the games against it was Texas and Houston. But they didn't have to scramble and make a new schedule. This was always going to be the schedule. So it was always going to be this weird. And yeah, again, who did this? So let's look at June because we're almost we're almost there. Um, the off day is the 30th and the 31st they're playing against the Angels. I mentioned that earlier. So they have the Angels and the Tigers. Then they have an off day on the 6th. They go to Minnesota for three. Then they come home for the Cubs for three. Then they're off again. Then they play the Rays for three at home. Then they go to Toronto for three and Tropicana Field for three. There's no Red Sox. in the. When are they playing the Red Sox again? Now, this is a tough stretch. This is a... Re- okay. From June 14th to July 3rd, <laughs> they have the Rays for three, Blue Jays for three, Rays for three, Astros for four, Athletics for three, Astros for four? Or is that a makeup? Oh, no, that's a makeup. Okay, thank God. June 1st through the 3rd, they're up against the uh, Guardians in... Okay, that makes sense. That's right, because of what I just said. They have to make up stuff against Houston, and that's that's what that day is. Okay. I was like, holy hell, that's a really rough schedule. So they don't play the Red Sox until July 7th, and that's a four-game series up in Fenway. Then they play them again in August the 12th through the 14th, again at Fenway. They played two in Fenway in mid-September, four at home, late September. This is just a really odd, who did this? Who did this? I need to know because the schedule is ridiculous. And of course, I have to be tortured, and it's always about me, with another West Coast road trip on my birthday. They played the athletics last year on my birthday. Who did this? <laughs> I'm old. I can't be staying up till, you know, 1.32 in the morning watching these games. How dare you? <laughs> They're also playing um, the Mets just before my birthday. That's actually a rough, a rough stretch, too, from August 15th through the 23rd. They're playing, but it's at home. They're playing the Rays for three, the Blue Jays for four, and the Mets for two. It'll be interesting to see by the time that happens, that's August, where the Yankees are in the standings, you know, who's hurt, who's not hurt, how they're doing, you know, overall, not even worrying about the standings. I mean, right now they're doing really well, 31 and 13. I would have taken that every day and twice on Sunday. If you had told me that the Yankees would be 31 and 13 on May 26th, I'd have been thrilled. And I am because this is slightly shocking. But they have these four games against the Rays in Tropicana Field. And we know how things tend to go sometimes in Tropicana Field. It's kind of been a house of horrors for the Yankees the last few seasons. Don't you miss the days when they used to play the Rays and beat them up i do let's go back to those days let's go back to when they were the devil rays and they were awful because i i miss those days i miss those days almost as much as i miss the astros being terrible (laughs) you all know what i'm talking about there were days when they were 
It seems very long ago, but there was a time when those two teams weren't great. Let's return to those days. So tomorrow's show will be a recap of tonight's game. And, you know, of any injury news that we need to know about, hopefully there won't be. So for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Now make your second listen of the day, Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing. If you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. So enjoy your Thursday. I'll talk to you tomorrow.